today on the Tearsheet Podcast. Upgrade is a, a neobank based here in, in San Francisco. And um, we're really trying to deliver sort of great frictionless mobile banking to mainstream consumers and really started with credit. I think that's one of the missing pieces of the neobank space in the U.S. And that's the number one reason why a lot of consumers seek a, a bank relationship to start with is obtaining credit. So we deliver sort of, um, what we think are really affordable and responsible loans and uh, cards, product, credit cards. Welcome to the Tearsheet Podcast. I'm Zach Miller. When we launched our podcast 10 years ago, one of our first guests was a French entrepreneur living in San Francisco. He had a small but upwardly aspirational startup. Renault Laplanche's lending club ended up becoming a major player in fintech as a public company and a force in the marketplace lending arena. Now Laplanche is back for more. He's the CEO of Upgrade, a new challenger bank that was built with lending at its heart. He joins me on the podcast to talk about the genesis story of Upgrade and how so much of his experience launching and growing lending club informs Upgrade's products and positioning. We discuss how the current COVID-19 crisis is impacting the industry for both incumbents and upstarts, and how Upgrade's new products, a contactless credit card that has built-in pay-over-time features, play into today's market dynamics. Renaud Laplanche is my guest today on the Tearsheet Podcast. All right, my name is Renaud Laplanche. I'm the co-founder and CEO of Upgrade. Um, Upgrade is a, a neobank based here in, in San Francisco, and um, we're really trying to deliver sort of great frictionless mobile banking to mainstream consumers and really started with credit. I think that's one of the missing pieces of the neobank space in the US. And that's the number one reason why a lot of consumers seek a, a bank relationship to start with is obtaining credit. So we deliver sort of, um, what we think are really affordable and responsible loans and uh, cards, product, credit cards. And, and how do you think that um, the challenger banks, other challenger banks maybe miss out on, on the credit piece? Um, I mean, if you look at credit, uh, it's 70% of banking revenue uh, mm -hmm. globally and in the US. So it's really an essential piece of banking. Um, so if you're gonna create a bank, uh, whether it's a neo bank or a traditional bank, uh, you, you need to have great credit products, um, both for revenue purposes and also just to meet your, your customers' expectations. Uh, but I think credit is a lot harder uh, to, uh, to put together than um, debit or payments product. So I think a lot of uh, challenger banks in the US have understandably started from the debit or payments side with plans to go into credit going forward. Um, but but cre credit is, is hard, frankly. I mean, in, in terms of underwriting and, and servicing, but also just in terms of capital, right? Just sourcing the capital to deliver billions of dollars of credit is, um, is not easy. And you need to either build your own very large balance sheet, um, which sort of breaks away with a more like capital light um, fintech model, or um, you need to implement a marketplace model um, by setting loans and card receivables immediately to, to investors and loan buyers. Uh, but that takes uh, a track record uh, that you can only build over many years. Um, so, so I think credit takes time. So we're, 
I'm glad we, we started with credit. Uh, it was also our experience prior to um, upgrade. I, I founded Banding Club and ran it for 10 years. I think it was a bit easier for us to, to start from credit, um, build the track record, and then expand into uh, debit and payments product. And how much of your experience, uh, you know, founding and, and running Lending Club, I guess, is embedded in, in the upgrade um, model? Wow, a lot. Uh, <laughs> as you can imagine, I, I learned a lot and the team learned uh, a lot uh, over more than 10 years uh, running um, one of the largest uh, loan uh, provider in, in the U.S. Um, so, yeah, I think we, um, we were able to uh, basically quickly ramp up loan production at upgrade. So we've done already billions of dollars in loans after two and a half years. Um, really because we had that experience and we had uh, a lot of relationship in, in the space and, and really a lot of personal record um, that sort of helped us um, ramp up production quickly in a way that delivered sort of, uh, great credit performance to, to investors. So I guess in your earlier answer, when you talked about the, the challenge of starting with credit, I mean, you sort of talked about market dynamics. How about from a product perspective? What, is, what does a, a product look like? Or how does it differentiate from other challenger banks when it starts with the premise of, of, of credit? So a couple of things. I think one is um, in terms of target uh, customer base. Uh, I think when you start with credit, uh, you, you, you do a lot more underwriting. So you, you choose probably your target market a little bit differently uh, for, for that reason, where right? you immediately focus on customers that who are credit worthy. Um, so our customer base is probably um, more mature than a lot of the other challenger banks. So um, upgrade customers are 42 year old on average. Uh, there's a lot of disparity uh, around the average, but the, the average is 42. Um, uh, the credit score is 700. Um, the average individual income is $90,000. An average household income is $130,000. So we, uh, unlike a lot of the other challenger banks, we're not focusing necessarily on, on the millennial population or, or any population that um, hasn't fully adopted traditional banking services. We're focusing on a more uh, mainstream, uh, more mature customer base, um, who often um, banks with Wells Fargo and Bank of America, uh, and we're just offering them a better experience and just a better deal and more affordable and more responsible credit product. So, so I think the um, credit really uh, sort of, um, influences how we uh, think about who our customers are. Um, it also um, in, uh, informs uh, how we how we build products. So I think the, the most innovative product we um, we we put together is Upgrade Card, uh, which is uh, I think everything a credit card should be <laughs> and hasn't been for uh, four decades now. Um, it's it's a credit card that uh, can be used at any point of sale, um, online or in store. Um, it comes with a line of credit. At the end of the month, the balance on that card um, turns into an installment plan that you can pay off over one, two or three years at a fixed rate with fixed monthly payments. So it really has the, the flexibility and the convenience of a credit card uh, accepted everywhere and, and um, 
uh, where you just need you get credit on demand um, get as much credit as you need um, when you need it but then it, it doesn't have all the high cost high fees and and really all the traps of credit cards right i mean credit cards on average come with a 17 percent interest rate uh, there are a lot of fees on top of that but the worst feature of credit cards is uh, if you only make the monthly minimum payment, it's going to take you 25 years to pay off the balance, um, and you'll end up paying back three times what you initially charged on the card. Um, so that the, the, the upgrade card really gives you the, the discipline of paying down the balance a lot faster with an installment plan. So the rate starts at 6.9%. So it's a lower rate to start with, but then the cost ends up being a lot less because the lower rate and you pay off the balance faster. Interesting. And can you take us a little bit through, I guess, the product development cycle there? Like, where did the idea come from? What, what were some of the challenges in, in creating this card? Because it, it is innovative and kind of combines a couple of trends, you know, we've, we've been talking about on the podcast for the past couple of years. Right. So, um, I mean, it really came from um, our desire to deliver affordable and responsible product. Right? That's, that's our mission. And what we had done with personal loans, a lot of the personal loans um, we made with a funding club or recently at Upgrade um, were designed to pay off and refinance an existing credit card balance at a lower rate with, with monthly um, in equal monthly payments. Um, and, and so we, we thought, okay, what would it look like to um, launch a credit card so that people never have to refinance again, right? Instead of refinancing credit cards, what if we were replacing credit cards? We move like, uh, upstream um, and, and directly uh, acquire the balance at the point of sale. What, what would that look like uh, in a way that's affordable and responsible? So we came up with this product that's sort of a hybrid between uh, a credit card and, and a loan um, and gives you, again, the flexibility and convenience of a card, but the lower cost and more responsible uh, credit feature of an installment plan. And you just came out with a, uh, a contactless version as well? Yes. So um, we were always thinking um, we'd go contactless uh, at some point. Uh, we sort of accelerated that in, in light of the um, COVID-19 uh, pandemic. Um, so we, we actually launched two features. One is a contactless version of the physical card. Um, so it's just a, um, a sort of, uh, regular sort of EMV chip, but with uh, RFID technology and, and um, uh, so NFC uh, protocol, uh, so near-field communication. So you basically need to be a couple of inches away from the reader. You don't have to insert the card. So you have literally no contact with any surface that could be um, uh, transmitting a virus. Um, and, and then at the same time, we, we also uh, finalized the process with Google Pay and Apple Pay. Uh, to register the card. So every upgrade card customer can now uh, register their upgrade card um, with Apple and Google and, and use uh, that for mobile payment. Uh, so same same technology, NFC protocol, um, and, and no need for any uh, any contacts there. So, so that's interesting with the contactless card, um, the contactless piece, um, and that you accelerated the product dev to to get out to to launch into the market now, given the the COVID nineteen dynamic. 
I'm interested in hearing your given given your background and and how much you've seen in the industry. Like, what I guess how you would describe this era of banking. Like, what's changing? Like, is this a permanent change? Do you see? Um, are we going to go back to a normal? Is there a normal now, or or can you I guess give us your perspective on sort of what financial services looks like now? Yeah, no, I mean it's it, it's hard to tell. Uh, it's it's all happening in real time. I think that there are going to be. I mean, in every crisis, I think we all learn something new um, and i think a lot of people today are learning to work from home and i wouldn't be surprised if more people end up working from home in, in the future um, even in the banking industry uh in in every every industry yeah i uh -huh. think that a lot of uh, people now especially in our customer base like a more mature base that um hasn't yet fully adopted online banking uh, but it's slowly converting from uh, regular traditional banking to online. I think they're um, getting used to the fact that, okay, yeah, maybe I don't need to go to the branch anymore. And they're, they're learning to bank um, uh, from their home or, um, or later their, their workplace uh, and save that trip to the branch. Um, so it's obviously safer in this environment, but it's just generally more convenient in any environment. Um, so I think that that's going to be here to stay. I think in terms of payments, I mean, people have to move away from cash. I mean, banknotes are the worst in terms of transmitting germs, um, and not just this virus, but any any virus. Um, so so I think that, I think people are going to move away from from banknotes, from cash, and I think we'll see a, a broader adoption of um, card, but also mobile payments. I think mobile payments have been uh, here for for many years now, and it's been a slow adoption in the U.S. because cards were so entrenched. Uh, but now that you can register a card into your uh, your mobile phone, there's really no no reason to uh, carry both a card and a phone. And what about these um, traditional financial institutions that were sort of stuck in between two worlds? They're you know they they're, they're definitely shrinking their branch footprint, but they haven't quite fully gone all in and digital like. Where does that leave those those financial institutions that are sort of in no man's land? Yeah, it's really interesting. They, they, a lot of banks have gone with smaller branches, but haven't really cut down dramatically on, on the number of branches. I think that, that's going to happen now. I think, again, where people have, uh, are now getting used to banking without going to the branch. Uh, and I think that that's going to uh, trigger a, a really sort of long-term trend of um, fully sort of digitalized banking. Um, let's shift back to Upgrade. I'd love to hear um, more about uh, what you're thinking about in the future in terms of product development, what some of the, your, your goals are over the next year or so. Yeah, so we will continue to roll out um, new products and, and uh, continue uh, sort of penetrating the market with existing products. Um, upgrade card launched recently, just six months ago. Uh, in March, we were already at $500 million um, of um, annual origination run rate. Uh, we have a goal of about a billion dollars for, for this year. Um, so we, we, we see um, people adopting the, the card uh, very, very quickly. Um, they, it's really the only card that gives you uh, credit when you need it, but then doesn't push people into that revolving debt cycle trap that, that so many 
and it is all falling into because of the way credit cards uh, work. Um, so we, we, we think it's a, it's a great product. It's going to continue to be, uh, to be adopted. Um, we'll be launching uh, later this year uh, what we call Upgrade Account, uh, which is our full uh, mobile banking experience um, that combines uh, sort of great sort of rewards and then no fee and, and sort of a lot of value for, for consumers and families with uh, sort of access to credit and affordable and, and responsible uh, credit products. Um, so I think it's going to be a, a, a really uh, sort of key development uh, for us in uh, continuing to to build a you know a bank, a challenger bank that delivers great value and a great experience online, but including really chiefly credit products that, that people need. I have a follow-on question there, Renaud. Um, we've seen credit. Karma and Credit Sesame also move into kind of banking and, you know, bringing their sort of core personal finance management tools, credit management tools into, into banking. Um, how important it is, is it for upgrade in terms of providing sort of analytics around borrowing and stuff like that for your customers? Yeah, I, I, th I think it's great. I mean, I think you'll continue to see a convergence of a lot of these platforms with, I think the FinTech really started by, with companies like first generation of FinTech companies like, like Lending Club and Credit Karma and, and, and others doing like one thing and doing it really well and going very deep. Um, and uh, I think now you're, you're seeing sort of generation of, of FinTech companies or, or first generation really uh, sort of broadening their, the scope of their operations to include um, a variety of, of services, uh, including sort of credit, payments, debit, deposit, savings, tax. Um, so there's, um, I think you, you see continued uh, trend of fintech companies providing the entire range of uh, banking products and services that one needs um, in their financial lives. But what about for upgrade customers? Um, how how important are sort of the the, the credit health kind of component to what you do? It's it, it's pretty it's pretty important. So um, I think we so credit health is our free sort of credit monitoring and credit education product. Um, it uh, includes a lot of uh, tips on how to uh, manage your credit as a credit score simulator um, that a lot of our customers use. So our customers. Um, 25% uh, of our customers use uh, the credit simulator at least once a month. Uh, so it's very high engagement rate uh, and it really helps um, customers um, uh, basically simulate the, the financial impact and the credit impact of uh, financial decisions that they're, they're making. Um, and as you know, I mean, the credit score is uh it's very opaque uh it's often not intuitive in the way it, it moves up or down uh, so being able to simulate that and then those uh, being able to know what's going to happen to your credit score uh, if you uh, make an extra payment on your mortgage or if you uh, pay off a credit card or if you close a credit card account um it's uh, it's really a great tool to have um and so we yeah we hope to continue to to give our customers more uh, visibility into into their own data and into how uh, their sort of financial decisions are going to impact their financial life. 
That makes sense. Renaud Laplanche, thank you for joining us on the Tearsheet Podcast today. Thank you. Good to, to be here.